Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our first edition of 2023 for our podcast. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find a written version that has links to all the stories we're about to discuss. Our first story of the week is a little bit of a a special treat for us here. We heard from Dr. Jay Puckett, uh, who is one of the researchers on a story that we shared at the end of 2023. And we asked Dr. Puckett to share a little bit about the importance of this research, which is about... uh, transgender and um, gender non-conforming people and how the local environment that they're in seem to be affecting um, their mental health, their resilience, how it related to minority stress. We asked Dr. Puckett to explain a little bit more about the research, why it's so important right now, and what the future direction of this research might be. So let's listen in um, for what Dr. Puckett had to say. Hello, my name is Jay Puckett and I'm an assistant professor at Michigan State University. I co-led the study with my colleague Zachary Bois at the University of Oregon. This research is important because we've seen a massive increase in the amount of legislation targeting trans people, particularly in recent years, with hundreds of bills being proposed. This broader social-political atmosphere can influence trans people's mental health and well-being, which is what our broader study has been examining. In this particular paper, we wanted to understand how perceptions of your local context and how supportive you perceive it as being for trans and gender diverse people may influence trans people's lived experiences in that context. We generally found that perceptions aligned with what we'd expect given the policy landscapes of these states, of the states that we included, with Oregon participants viewing their areas as the most affirming for trans people, followed by Michigan and then Nebraska and Tennessee participants viewed their states as having the worst climates for trans folks. We also found that when trans people lived in areas that were perceived as less supportive, they also had higher levels of anxiety and lower levels of pride in their gender identity. In addition, these associations were partially explained by other factors, such as experiencing discrimination, harassment, victimization, and internalized stigma. Overall, this shows that it's not just about one's perception of levels of support in their local areas, but also what that means about exposure to minority stressors like violence or the implications for a trans person's sense of self. Lastly, even though participants with higher levels of resilience reported lower levels of depression and anxiety, resilience did not buffer the effects of context on mental health. One issue that likely influences these findings is related to how resilience is measured. There are some significant gaps between how trans people define or express our resilience and the scales that exist for researchers to measure this construct, which were typically developed with cisgender people in mind. Hopefully through measure development um, that really centers on trans people's experiences of resilience, we'll be able to identify factors that will more strongly support trans people's well-being in the face of social political stressors and negative contexts in our future work. Well, thank you to Dr. Puckett and the research team for sharing that information. Uh, if you are a listener to the podcast who has uh, research and uh, or other news that you would like to share with us, you can always go to our profile page on Anchor, um, which you can find on our blog website that I named at the top of the program, and share your thoughts and your research with us, and you may just get featured on the podcast as well. So with that little plug uh, having been made, let's go on to our next story of the week. Bi women and gay men face hypertension inequities. 
TCTMD reported on new research finding that hypertension disproportionately impacts gay men and bisexual women who face about 20% higher risk compared to their heterosexual peers. Additionally, among bisexual women, hypertension is more likely to go untreated. Researchers say that the results, quote, highlight the need for healthcare providers to create affirming clinical settings for LGBT people, unquote. This might include asking patients about their sexual orientation, uh, as well as reaffirming non-discrimination policies. Next up, major care providers lag on SOGI data. STAT published an opinion piece arguing that more data is needed on LGBT individuals and their care needs, especially in combination with data on race and ethnicity, to better understand them. The article examines the case of the Moffitt Cancer Center, which began collecting sexual orientation data in 2016, as well as gender identity data one year later. So far, only 2.5% of patients have self-identified as LGBT, which is a little bit odd or concerning given that this is well below the percent of the population who identifies as LGBT. Of course, there are lots of reasons that could explain this. Um, Just off the top of my head, of course, it could be that people are uncomfortable sharing the info, although in general, studies have shown that that's not the case. Could also be that, you know, there's just a lag in in intake and people being asked these questions, especially if people are already in the system. We know that a lot of times that doesn't happen. Nevertheless, um, as one of the few cancer centers collecting the data, the authors say that this could prove a useful source of information on improving cancer care outcomes in the population and perhaps pushing others to collect such data. As we've mentioned here on the podcast before, major sources of data like national cancer registries tend not to collect SOGI data, so there's a big gap in what we know. Now our next story, examining ART differences by race and ethnicity. JAMA published a study of over 42,000 people entering HIV care, which found that the probability someone would start ART within the one-month mark did not vary significantly across most racial and ethnic differences. However, the researchers did find that Black and Latinx individuals were less likely than white peers to receive INSTI-containing ART until that became the standard of care later in the study period. The study team said that more research is needed to understand why, and this is important given the major HIV-related disparities facing Black and Latinx individuals in the U.S. Next up, how schools can improve mental health. Education Week reported on the challenges facing LGBT students in accessing mental health care at school. Even in the highest scoring state in the country, which was Vermont, Almost half of LGBT students, 45% specifically, could not access the care that they wanted. Meanwhile, other states had rates of up to 72% of students who were unable to access services. The article recommends that schools expand not only counseling, but also LGBT-affirming programming like Gender and Sexuality Alliances, also known as GSAs, as well as implement teacher training, transgender-affirming policies on issues like restroom access, and anti-bullying provisions. And now our final story of the week, Appeals Court Negates the Right to Bathroom Access. Gay City News reported that a federal appeals court overturned a lower court decision, which had ruled in favor of a transgender boy's right to use the restroom um, that matched his gender identity in Florida. 
The lower court had said that the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and Title IX's prohibitions of sex-based discrimination would apply to the transgender boys' case, which is seemingly in line with the recent Supreme Court decision that found that sex discrimination provisions apply equally to LGBT people, although that case didn't get into details such as this. The decision, unless overridden by the Supreme Court, sets precedent in Florida as well as Alabama and Georgia. That concludes our first roundup of 2023. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find links to all of our stories. And I hope you will join us next week for the next edition of our roundup.